Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Zivi Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me every single day, 365 days a year, for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now, and you can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Nicole Bart is the author of The Long Way Back, a novel. This episode was guest hosted by Julie Chavez, host of the podcast, Ask a Librarian, and author of an upcoming Zibby Books title, Everyone But Myself. Nicole Bart is the author of 11 novels, including Everything We Didn't Say and The Long Way Back. The co-founder of a nonprofit and mother of five, she lives in Iowa with her family. Nicole, thanks so much for coming on today on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm so excited to talk to you. Julie, thank you so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I can't wait to talk about your latest book, The Long Way Back, which I just finished. I I feel like I will have a hard time talking about it because I don't (laughs) want to give anything away. So we'll mostly talk around 
the book because I also have about a million questions for you about writing and your life and the other things that you're doing. So I can't wait to talk to you about it. But this book was really good. Thank you. It it is a little tricky. We're having a hard time selling it actually, or at least marketing it, I guess, because it's hard to know what to say. It's a little like what's about this mother-daughter Instagram influencer duo and the daughter goes missing? They're like, and? Well, I really can't tell you, and. (laughs) Yes. You know, and this really speaks to me because I'm a total book pusher where I'm just like, don't ask me to tell you about it. Just do it. Just read it and do what I'm telling you to do. Right? Trust me. Yes. Trust me. (laughs) Yes. Famous last words. I love it. But it is, I feel like we can start there. So, you know, this is a book about Charlie and Eva. Mm -hmm. So it's, Eva, right? Yeah, Ava. You say it Ava. Okay, I was wondering that. Yeah, I do say Ava, but okay. I know it should be it should probably be Eva. <laughs> no, I think Ava's fine. I think it's just okay. one of those names that I always kind of <laughs> right. mess up, right? It's like a little the, tricky. I always think of the Kristen Kirstens of the world and just like, oh, oh poor Amen. poor people just yeah, exactly. Mispronounced yeah. <laughs> forever. Okay, so Charlie and Ava, and they go on a boat. And then Ava is gone. Now, this book made me want to, A, take my teenager's phones and throw them in the garbage (laughs) because it was so, I guess, yeah, I can see how you're having a hard time chatting about it because there is, it starts out fast too. I will say the things that I loved about it, it's super well paced. I really was... I was riveted by it. I definitely wanted to keep turning the pages. I wanted to see how it ended. And something I really liked that you did really well, you really wrote well from both of their perspectives. And you wrote Ava as a teenager. And was that hard to do? Or did you feel like it was natural? Could you, were you using, because you have four kids, correct? I have five actually, and four of them are teenagers right now. So you can send wine and chocolate and prayers my way, you know. 100%. Let me just jot down your address. (laughs) No kidding. Okay. So you have five kids, four teenagers. So did you use, did you have to mine deeply for these sorts of moments or was it just right there for you? You know, it it was pretty natural. I've been a mom of teens for almost a decade now based on how my kids are all spread apart. And I, before I started writing, I was a high school teacher. I love teenagers. Maybe that's strange, but they are just such a fun age group to me. I find them fascinating and, and interesting. They're endlessly entertaining. So writing about a teenager was really fun for me to try to get into her head because mm-hmm. I feel like I have these conversations every day with my kids. It, it wasn't too hard. <laughs> yes. Well, you're exactly right. I think that teenagers are so, it's such a specific time of life. So in some ways that makes it easy to write. And I know I can remember being a teenager, which is, which is shocking and horrifying to my teenagers because they're like, (laughs) uh, you were born an adult. You were never a teenager. Yeah. Right. And never cool and never young and never wrestled with things. No, absolutely not. I know nothing according to them. Right. Yeah. You don't (laughs) understand. Mine are pretty reasonable, but even still it's like, They just, that's such a weird concept for them. So, okay. How did you come up with the idea for this? Where did it start? Yeah. So it was kind of a convergence of three things. It was the perfect storm. So 2020, spring and summer of 2020, and I don't really need to go there. Everybody knows what happened then. Yes. I (laughs) think we all remember. (laughs) (laughs) But over the course of those months, I just became very aware of how interconnected we are and yet how mm-hmm. disconnected. Here we are living online all of a sudden. We're not seeing people in person anymore. And so much of my my connection with people and the way that I interacted with them 
went online, went to Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. And we all know that we all experienced it. And then of course we saw this uptick in, in all sorts of things, you know, in different conspiracy theories and division between people and, and radicalization. And all of a sudden we were believing things that we probably weren't believing before. So we were all aware of that, right? Like I was watching that stew happening Mm -hmm. at the same time, my daughter, who's my fourth child turned 13. So that was the first time we had four teenagers in the house. And in our house, when you turn 13, you get a phone. A teenager is when the phone is bestowed on you. And it begins with, you get to call, you get to text, you get like one game on it. There's no social media or anything. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, when my daughter got a phone, I, and maybe this is terrible, but I felt different. The rest of my kids are all sons. Okay. But I was so aware of and afraid of what she was going to come into contact with online and the pressures that I think are unique to girls and women, that you have to be beautiful. You have to have your life together. You have to have your house together. You have to be, you know, athletic and fun and perfect and pretty and just absolutely everything. And I, Mm -hmm. I wrestled with that so much handing her that phone and feeling like this could be your downfall and I'm just handing it over to you. And then finally, that June, she turned 13 in May. So pandemic, my daughter turns 13. And then in June, we just had to get our family out of here. We live in Iowa in a small town, and we ended up going to Duluth, Minnesota. I fell completely in love with the North Shore in that area. Mm. But it also put me in mind of simpler times. Uh, About 10 years before that, my whole family had taken a cross-country trip in our um, pop-up tent trailer from Iowa to British Columbia, where my husband's family is. And I was just reminiscing about that time and the nostalgia of it. And it felt like the perfect juxtaposition between the digital world that we were currently living in and the completely disconnected um, analog world that we had for that month while we were on the road. So those three things just kind of created this, I don't know, a tornado of ideas in my head. And that's where the book came from. Mm. Well, there's so much depth to it. And you really can feel that when you're reading it. I mean, I think I loved that part of it where you can tell that you've considered a lot of those ideas and issues and the ways that things shift based on how we're communicating and whether we are in a digital world or a real world kind of thing. It's, I, you did a really nice job with that. It felt very deep and like I said, considered. So I enjoyed, yeah, I enjoyed reading that because you know, you have, it's a page turner. I loved it. The thriller aspect of it. I mean, I wanted to know, but also I was thinking this is so true and so timely also. And especially as we come up to another election season and all of these things, it just, like I said, jokingly, you know, it makes me want to throw away their phones because I think there is, our kids are growing up in a time of complexity that really outstrips what we experienced. So seeing how they deal with that. And I do agree with you. I have many moments where I think I'm thankful to have sons because they don't, you know, and also the specific sons I have. I'm sure that there are other kids who maybe are, regardless of their gender, are more prone to maybe being influenced or, or just even kind of beat down by the internet. It's just such a, it's such a tough place. Oh, it is. Yeah. Our poor kids. (laughs) Oh, I know. And yet I think about the opportunity for connection that they have. And I think about even myself, you know, connecting with other authors and reading about them on Instagram. I was checking out your Instagram. So it's this, it's such a weird time of knowing 
how to sort out what's real and what's not. And teenagers are not great at that yet. Absolutely. I mean, I'm only like a little bit better anyway. So (laughs) (laughs) I have my own addictions and hangups when it comes to social media. My goodness. Oh, who doesn't, right? I tell when you were talking about that, I was telling my husband the other day, I got to, I need to get in the real world. I need to ground. I need to be here. And it's funny how you can kind of have that. I have a question for you. So you've written a number of books and you've been writing for a long time. And it feels like when I was looking at the covers, it's like you took the long way to thrillers. Are you now? (laughs) (laughs) Because just even looking at the colors and also, you know, I saw yours in Book of the Month when it popped up. And I'm going to go back and put it as an add-on because I have a major addiction to Book of the Month. And now I can't wait to read your (laughs) backlist. Yeah, me too. Is this kind of your new vein or is it not new and you just feel like this was your sweet spot? Tell me about that, how your career has evolved. So I've been writing for 15 years now and I started out writing. I I love what I do. I hope I, I hope I write my last book when I'm like 85. I hope it's the last I do. I I just love it. Yeah. So I I started out writing uh, just contemporary books. My first three were kind of an homage to my grandmothers. And the two main characters are named after my grandmas, Nellie and Julia. And they were just such fun, almost memoir-esque books, I guess. Mm. But I'm an eclectic reader. So I ended up becoming a very eclectic writer. Like I've written kind of contemporary romance, those first three. And then I did some literary fiction. uh, And then I started doing mystery and now I'm just fully entrenched in, I think my, my editor called it upmarket suspense. So upmarket suspense. Yeah. So it's like thoughtful suspense and hopefully the, the prose is, you know, good and entertaining. And the story is something that you can chew on with a friend, maybe do it with a book club or something. So that's my sweet spot right now. I'm loving it. My next book will be that too. So, but who knows what's next? Exciting. This would be a great book club book because exactly to your point, there's a little bit more to talk about. You know, a a lot of thrillers have other storylines to them, but this one has a lot to discuss and kind of chew on. So I I hope so. I love hearing what categories people are in because it just is, (laughs) you know, you write the book, but then there's this whole machine that exists outside of that, that for marketing and publicity, that's just a completely different thing. And I feel like I'm always learning something. So I never would have thought of upmarket uh, applying to suspense, but it, that is perfect. Way to go, editor. Good job. Yeah, thanks. They apparently know <laughs> what they're doing. Yes, they do. <laughs> um, when you, okay, I have a question for you related to this book specifically. So we had an, I don't want to say incident, a situation recently where I had one of those moments of, wow, you can know your kids, but there's also a weird distance in the knowing, especially as they get older. And I think that's something obviously that's applicable for this book because there's a question as to whether Charlie really knows Ava as well as she believes yeah. she does. Is that something that you think about in your own life with your, your own kids? Is that is that a question kind of that how well do we know the people we love, especially our kids. I. What are your yeah. thoughts on that? I kind of want to hear more what you have to say about that. Absolutely. So I have to go back to my developmental psychology classes in college when I was trying to become a teacher, right? And yes. learning then and reminding myself kind of on a daily basis right now that, that keeping secrets and having an 
interior life and and having things that are hidden from your family and the people around you is developmentally appropriate. Like yes. this is what teenagers do. And this is how they develop their own identity and become people outside of our home and, you know, out from under our wings. I would love to keep my kids there forever. I wish they'd never have any secrets from me, but I even think back to my relationship with my parents when I was a teen. I loved them and I knew that they loved me. I kept a lot of secrets from them. And yes. Yeah. And it didn't mean that I hated them. It didn't mean that I, you know, was this terrible child, but it was really important for me to define the boundaries of, of myself and how I was going to interact with them and the rest of the world. So as hard as it is, I think as a parent, the the difficult thing now, not being a teacher and not being a teenager yeah. myself, but looking at my own kids, knowing when I need to cross that line and, and press myself into a place where they probably don't want me to be because I feel like they could be unsafe or something might happen that can't be undone. So the innocent things that they might do, borderline innocent secret keeping, I, I kind of pretend I don't know about. Yes. And then it's just the stuff that that could get them in trouble when I try to intervene. But guy, that's hard. That is that is a really difficult thing as a parent. You are constantly a detective trying yes. to figure out. <laughs> I'm kind of sick of being a detective. Like, what's going on? Who are they talking to? Where have they been? And it, it's yeah. hard, but it never ends. You're so right. And I'm noticing too the interrogation techniques, right? Like you really <laughs> right. have to you really have to watch what you're doing yeah. because you you can't push too hard. Are we good cop, bad cop? Like, how are we how are we playing this, right? Because they're cagey. They are cagey, yeah. And you're right. It's it's exactly what they're supposed to be doing, but it's just such a strange game of mothering, right? Where you start mm-hmm. out and you know everything. You control their world, and then oh. they're just going to grow up and do their thing. It's dumb. It's annoying. Oh, it, <laughs> it hurts my feelings. Like... <laughs> I changed your diapers, dude. (laughs) Exactly. I know. It is amazing how we understand our own parents as our kids grow. I was like, oh yeah, okay. I can see how that annoyed you, mom and dad. Right. I'm (laughs) I'm in my forties and I still go to my mom and dad and say, thank you for loving me when I was 16 and ridiculous. Totally. Ridiculous is the right word for it. Gosh, (laughs) they're amazing. And yet I'm with you. I love teenagers. I think it's the best. I wouldn't go back to the toddler days if you paid me. I mean, I love those yeah. two. I'll go back for a day. Just one. I'm the same. And I find them endlessly entertaining. Post your videos about your crazy toddlers online and I will love them. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yes. I am glad we didn't have as much social media when mine were little because I think I would have been way more oh. addicted too, right? Me too. Yeah. What do you think is... What have you enjoyed. So your last book was Upmarket Suspense. What have you found? Has it been different to see what you hear from readers and how you interact with readers based on the topic, or is it the same? Oh, that's a great question. Suspense is a little bit different because people really want to, they stand in this place where they want to know the ending and they want to be able to figure it out, but they want to be surprised by the twist. And mm. kind of you can't get it right because if you if they're not surprised, then they feel like, oh, it was so predictable. And okay. if they are surprised, <laughs> then they feel a little bit like, well, I didn't see that coming at all. Like you must not have done a very good job of foreshadowing that because usually I can figure these things out. So <laughs> you're trying to walk that line in between um, 
you want the ending to make sense. You want them to go, oh, yes, yes, I saw this all along. It makes perfect sense. But you don't want to give too much away too. So that that dance is difficult. And it's even difficult after the book is out and people are coming back and asking you about it and trying to figure out why you made this decision or that. And honestly, sometimes I don't remember. Like I wrote that book two years ago. <laughs> that makes complete sense yeah. to me. Because I used to think like, how could you not know? But I I get it. I mean, you look at it so yeah. many times too. It just becomes like white noise, right? You're like, yep, right. this looks good. Okay, great. <laughs> Send it and off. Then you've, yeah. And then you've moved on to the next book. Like I'm already writing another book. So sometimes okay. people will say a character name and I'll go, oh shoot, who's that again? <laughs> right. Remind me. <laughs> yeah. You're so right. So it sounds like I can see totally that the the suspense audience might be a little bit more, not demanding, but maybe a little bit more, uh, but maybe a little more demanding in a good, in a good way. I mean, it keeps you on your toes, but also like, you're right. You really are trying to hit it just right. And it depends on what kind of flavor people like. People are very specific about their suspense and thrillers. That is exactly right. And back when I was writing contemporaries, people would relate to the characters and say, oh, this reminded me of my friend or I cried at the end or it made me happy. And it was, it kind of stayed there. Now we dig into it deep when you're talking about a mystery or a suspense. How funny. I love, I love that about readers. Readers are such thoughtful people and they just really will get in there with you. But I can imagine that it would be a different experience based on the book that you write. Interesting. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Do you, okay, so do you want to tell us a little bit about what you're working on now? Yeah, I'd love to. Okay, Um, yay. Yeah, my next book is another upmarket suspense. And it's another, it's about a woman who loses her husband when they're really young. They're only together for a couple of years and she remarries in her 40s. And after they've been married for a couple of years, her new husband goes missing. So it's another missing person thing. I hate killing people. (laughs) 
saying, I know in suspense, there's supposed to be dead bodies, but I fall in love <laughs> with my characters and I'm like, could there be redemption here? Or like, could they maybe find their way back to each other? But yeah, I, I love writing that. And I'm super excited about the setting. I live in Iowa right now, but my husband is from British Columbia, Canada, and we lived there for several years. I'm also a Canadian citizen. So I'm setting it in, in the Rockies, uh, the coastal Rockies. So super excited about revisiting that area. And yeah, the the time that we lived camping and hiking and and being in the mountains. So it'll oh, be a lot that of fun. is so cool. I can't wait to read that. And I love what you said there about redemption because that is when I think of the common thread about stories I love, they always have redemption in them. Yeah. That is like my favorite theme where you can kind of see not only transformation, but oh, okay, it can we can have yeah. a win in the end. I need that because so much of life, you don't get a win in the end or it doesn't go the way that you want it to. So I'm not saying it has to be a perfectly, you know, every bow tied up happily ever after ending, but I want there to be some hope there. It's yeah. kind of not worth reading for me if there's not. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't need my, my sister. <laughs> I will not say the name of the book because I don't want to throw shade, but it was a <laughs> tremendously successful book and it had zero redemption. And my sister read it and she called me and said, stop reading that. And now she even sometimes will go into bookstores and actively like move it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's sold gazillions of copies, so it's fine. That author's doing fine, fine. but it just cracks me up because her bitterness level about it has not ebbed (laughs) over the years. So I bring it up sometimes just to needle her. That's what sisters do, right? Absolutely. I really, I like... You do a good job in this book of just having the right themes. I'm so excited to read your other one too. So you're in kind of the upmarket suspense. Does this feel like your sweet spot or do you think you'll move on at some point? I think I might move on. Like I love what I'm doing right now, but yeah. I have a lot of author friends who are like, I don't know what I'm going to do next. I don't have another idea. And I have the opposite problem. I have literally dozens and dozens of ideas. Like I could write until I'm 85, which is probably why I would like to. Yeah. But I have a, yeah. Where do your ideas ideas. come from? That's a great question. Sometimes they just arrive fully downloaded in my my brain, which seems kind of weird. And other times it's just the inkling of something that begins. Like I fall in love with a, a person that I meet, maybe not even a friend, somebody I see on the street. And there's something about them that's just so arresting to me. And I'm so interested in who they are and I can't help but think about them and wonder about their life and something happens in mine. And suddenly it feels like the perfect segue into a new story and and they're the perfect character for it. So I, I think I, I'm just an observer of the world around me mm. and, and people. I, I really love people. I really love meeting new people. And I feel like there's always the seed of a story there. Yeah. Are you an extrovert? No. <laughs> Which is valid, yeah. right? Right. Yeah. I am pretty introverted. Like I, I deeply love people and I love yes. a, a one-on-one conversation, get a little overwhelmed in, in party situations and, and big groups. I'll tend to shut down and just be a listener. But when you're listening, you can observe a lot. And yeah, that works its way into my books. That makes so much sense. I feel like that's a skill too that gets better with age, or at least it has for me, right? I'm yeah. becoming a better listener as I get older. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So what, is there a genre that you don't think you would ever write? Ah, you know what? I I would never write horror. And 
I was just talking to somebody was talking to me about my book a few days ago and she said, you know, I was reading it and it struck me that I could give this to my 13 year old daughter and we could co-read this together. And I was like, yes, you absolutely can. Because I, it's not that I don't like it in books that I read, you know, sometimes I'll read very graphic books, but I could never write a book that's graphically gory, sexual, has, you know, expletive language all over the pages. That That's just not me. So you might find the occasional cuss word and maybe I'll talk about sex off the page or somebody dies that I'm not going to eviscerate somebody on, on the page and talk about their bowels spilling out. That's just not going to happen. So yeah. <laughs> Nicole will not be writing about entrails. That yes. can be the quote that people take from this episode. Right. I'm with you. No, horror is, I, I can't. I feel like I'm just at the age now where I can read suspense. I went through a long stretch of time where it was too stressful for me. Yeah. And obviously, and I had a very anxious period where it was very bad for me to encounter <laughs> anything like that. But yeah, it is about kind of what what feels true to you. But it sounds like some of that has evolved for you over time and you're just kind of following the path to where it goes. How did how did writing start for you? Like, how did writing come into your life? Oh, I, I have kind of a tragic backstory, but it's long. I'll try to make it short. Great, <laughs> I'm here for long. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I I was born with a birth defect, and my family, my parents, and my pediatrician didn't figure it out until I was about three. And at that point, um, my my left kidney had been poisoned to the point where I was losing part of my kidney. So I had several surgeries between the ages of three and 16, had a little bit of a break and then had several more in my twenties. But, um, when I was a kid and going to the hospital, they did not have like a children's hospital like we have today and they didn't have child life specialists. So I vividly remember going in to have my blood drawn the day before surgery. Cause I had to do a blood draw and right. having like three nurses plus my mom and dad have to hold me down in order to do it. Cause I, I knew this is going to be bad. Like I'm, I'm going to get poked. I'm going to get prodded. I'm going to have to go to the hospital. I'm not going to feel good for several days. I never came out of anesthesia well. And the oh. more anesthesia I had, the worse it was for me. So even to this day, if I get put down, it will take me about three days to clear it from my system. Wow. And yeah, so it was, it was really hard and really traumatic. And I, don't really think I even put words to that until I was in my 30s and 40s. But the one saving grace of all of that was my dad or my mom, the night before I had surgery, they would go to the library and get a whole bag of books, just brand new books that I had never read before. And yeah, this is before smartphones. This is before tablets. You know, I didn't have a TV in my room and that wouldn't have comforted me anyway. But I sat on my dad's lap. He tented a blanket around me. And he or my mom would just read and read and read to me. And they even have a photograph of the nurse came and put me on the gurney. So I'm laying on the gurney and my dad is walking beside the gurney, holding the book, finishing it because we had a couple of pages left. And to me, as a little girl, books were escape and comfort and happiness and wholeness. And I just, I loved it so much. And I was probably in kindergarten, first grade when I started to, I didn't even realize this was what I was doing, but I started writing fan fiction. So oh, wow. the book would end. <laughs> yeah, And you would just pick it up. I would. Yeah. I just picked up the story from it ended and then I'd keep writing it. So my mom has, she still has it in my cedar chest. Yes, I have a cedar chest. Of course. <laughs> of, of course. Yeah. As, as one does when you're born in the late seventies, early eighties. Yep. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
but I would write these pages, you know, of, of this is what happened after Anne of Green Gables ended or, or whatever. So I've been writing since I was five. I really don't remember a time when I didn't want to do this. And mm-hmm. the fact that I get to still feels like a dream come true every day. Like I, I pinch myself. I feel like I'm living a dream. That's so wonderful. Wow. What a gift your parents gave you. That's beautiful. <laughs> oh, yeah. They loved you really well in they that did. time specifically. Wow. Yeah. And they still do. <laughs> yeah. That's so wonderful. But I'm sorry that you had to go through that as a kid. Just, you're right. No child life specialists. We're so lucky to have that now right. for kids because those sort of traumatic medical experiences, and it sounds like yours was extreme. I mean, even small ones really stay with kids. So, oh, yeah. Wow. And yeah. Just no support for that when I was younger. So you just kind of muscle through and get yep. up. Yeah. We'll just read these books and wow. Well, yeah. I'm so glad you became a writer. It sounds like you are exactly where you're meant to be. Thank you. And I am so excited to explore your backlist a little bit. And then when I do have one question. So your first book that you published, what feels different about if we look back to the first one versus this one and kind of where you are in your career now, like what, what stands out to you the most? What was something you didn't know or something that you didn't know you would love so much, you know, at this point, like what, I don't know, what do you think about when you reflect on it? That's a great question. I, when I started writing, I had no idea what I was doing. Like none whatsoever. I was an English major in college, but they don't teach you how to put together a novel when (laughs) when you're, you know, majoring in English. So Yeah. yeah, I literally had no idea. I was flying by the seat of my pants. I was, you know, Googling things, trying to figure out what to do next. But yeah, that was 15 years ago. So there weren't the resources that are around now. And now like I'm a lifelong learner. There is nothing I love more than sitting at the feet of somebody who's wiser than me and mm-hmm. just absorbing all of the things that they get to share. There's so much wisdom out there. So to go from not knowing anything to being just this constant consumer of new ideas and information. And I read all the books and I go to as many conferences as I can. And and I kind of know what I'm doing now. And my process is really, really specific. Like I, I put together a plot outline. I'm, I'm not a pantser. I'm a plotter. Like okay. I need to know what's, what's happening, especially if I'm writing suspense yes. and I do the character arcs and I do all of those things. So I think my process from beginning to end has just completely transformed. And if you would have talked to me even five years ago, I would have said, oh no, I'm a pantser. I just start putting it down and see what happens. And that is just not the case anymore. Interesting. So it sounds like you wouldn't have anticipated all the ways you would change oh, yeah. and that it would change just in terms of your trajectory. Yeah. Interesting. I'm a completely different writer. Although I think if you picked up the first one and picked up this one, you'd still see me in it. It's still me. That's a good feeling, right? That feels, yeah. if when you're writing something that's true, that's true to you, regardless of what its genre is or what it's going to do in the world, that that's a good feeling. It feels right. Yes. What is your, let's end with what's your best hot tip for the aspiring writers out there? Okay. It's going to be an unpopular one. Great. I love (laughs) unpopular. (laughs) Oh, good. My hot tip is get off your computer, get a pen and paper and try to write that way. Even if it's only a paragraph or two, there's just been so much research on how it uses a different part of your brain and unlocks different areas of your of your thinking and accesses 
yeah, just a part of you that does not exist on a screen. And when you're typing, you can type one word and delete it immediately, type and delete and type and delete. And your brain is so many different places. If you put yourself in a quiet place with a pad of paper and a pen, you'll be surprised what comes out there. And I I write my entire first draft on pen and paper. I was just going to ask you that. (laughs) I do. Yeah. Yeah. That yellow legal pads and pens. The legal pad. Wow. What kind of pen do you use? That feels important to me. It has to be felt tip. Okay. It has to be like a really fine felt tip. And I- Fine felt tip. Okay. Yeah. I'm not too picky with the brand as long as it's a good fine felt tip. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. And you write your entire first draft like that. I do. And I I don't necessarily recommend that everybody does that. I know that, yeah, even things with, I know people who have carpal tunnel or can't do it with their hands or whatever, but- but even if you can, if you're feeling stuck, if you don't know mm. where to go, if you have a scene that's not coming together for you, step away from your computer and see what happens. I think you'll be really surprised by the results. That is such good advice. And I can tell that you, your developmental psychology and your psychology classes from <laughs> college are still with you because you're right. Yeah. All that brain research is so fascinating about how things work and how we unlock them. Oh, oh. Absolutely. Well, that was a very good hot tip. I'm I will be using good. that. And I'm always looking for the perfect pen. So Oh, me too. That's probably why I don't have yeah. I, I use lots of different ones. But if I find the right one someday, yes. <laughs> I'll be loyal. Please and also please share that because it will save <laughs> yes. me a lot of time and money on pens. Oh, will do. <laughs> Nicole, this was such a joy to talk to you. Thanks for the time. Thanks for sharing about you and your process and your book. And I can't wait for people to read it and then we'll be able to talk to them about it. Thank you, Julie. I'm so grateful. It was great to be here. Thanks for coming. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.